Okay, so we, we want to just jump in. You good? Oh, absolutely. Also, please don't. I mean, I know you won't, but I'm going to smoke a cigarette in oh. this ventilated room. So I got a little vaporizer over here. I'll have a puff with you very quick. I don't. You know what? It's like I do vape, but I only started vaping when I went to Blue Jays games. Oh, like, yeah. We concerts. Yeah. yeah. Like vaping doesn't do it for me. Like, I know. I, I know. I, yeah. I got a whole bag of resis upstairs. I've been burning through them, too. <laughs> The following program contains explicit material. If you are under 18 years old, please fuck off. Welcome to Spinning Yarns. I'm your host, Joe Amaro, and I, for one, could have been dead many times over a long time ago. But for some reason, I'm still here. I've had a crazy life and met a ton of amazing people along the way who've inspired me. I'm going to invite some of these folks here to share some of their incredible and unbelievable stories with us. Who knows, we may even learn something along the way. There's way too much bullshit in this life. We need more real talk from real people. So sit back, chill out, and listen up, because we're spinning yarns. I'm Joe Merrill. I'm Joe Merrill. Welcome back to Spinning Yarns. Uh, right off the top, we're going to address some of the backlash from the Truth to Power episode where um, people are a little upset and people should be upset. Uh, it's an upsetting situation. Um, even some of my own friends have uh, decided to take to the uh, path of talking shit and uh, saying maybe I've exaggerated. And uh, I just like to say, uh, you know, maybe I don't um, look good on TV or maybe I don't uh, suffer fools lightly. Uh, maybe I'm a lot of things, but uh, I'm nothing if not honest. And at Spinning Yarns, you're always going to get the straight goods. Uh, only the guilty are catching offense and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, we are now registered on the Canadian Podcast Awards directory. Um, that's fantastic. Amazing community. Um, the Canadian Podcast Awards are coming up and we're really hoping to be nominated and hopefully, possibly, maybe win an award. So, uh, nominate. Vote. More money for the arts. That's what I always say. Drug User Liberation Front founders were arrested and subsequently released in Vancouver. Um, funding is threatened all over the country for safer supply and uh, safer consumption sites and uh, harm reduction is under fire. Um, the more things change, the more they stay a shame. And uh, it looks like... Um, well, we got uh, some more genocide happening, more prohibition. Uh, it's like we're moving backwards. Uh, fuck this world, um, but fuck it safely and always with consent. Our guest today is the one and only Samantha Biddy. She's a true champion and hero of sexy sexual health re-education. She's the baddest baby on the National Speakers Bureau, right alongside that sexy-ass David Suzuki. We see you, David. Free-range silver fox. She uses a bottom-up approach to avoid burnout from navigating the inescapable bureaucracy, misogyny, and anti-black racism. She promotes collectivism, community building, and true connection with her femme armor under the umbrella of harm reduction with honesty and well-being prioritized. Samantha is consistently present and authentic as she shows up for herself in sobriety and her life in recovery. 
She's a survivor of sexual abuse who made the choice to be the person who actually cares enough to help. She's a sex consent educator who teaches gender-based violence prevention. She is a jello wrestling pool of healthy sexual knowledge and just oozes sexual confidence and insight. Joining us direct from her playroom, fresh from her afternoon nap, Samantha Biddy. As I live and breathe, Samantha Biddy. Greetings and salutations. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Hi, are you a Simpsons fan? Love Simpsons. So as I was thinking about coming onto this uh, call with you, I was like, hello, Joe. Like, you know, the episode (laughs) of the clown and and Bart's being taken care of because Lisa's being born. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Joe, that's what went through my head like 15 times. So that's good. Yeah. I, I prefer that every time I meet anyone, they're like, hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Right. right. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to shoot my fucking old lady. OK, like get in. You know, that's the song, right? Like Jimi Hendrix, right? Oh, okay, right. right. Like, yeah. No, that's a little that's a little older than my reference point. Oh yeah, yeah. Simpsons is fresher. That's why I like. Yeah, I like it. It's new. I'd much prefer it. I hear where you're going with that gun in your hand, ten times a day. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yes. So, hello, Joe. <laughs> hello, Samantha. Um, tell us where in the world you are at this moment and how you're feeling. I am in Toronto, which is Treaty 13 territory, Turtle Island, Canada, what is now known as Canada. Um, I'm in my playroom in my apartment. And um, what was the second part? Where am I? So that's where I am. How are you feeling? Um, I just woke up from my nap. And it was actually a decent nap. Like it felt sufficient. Unlike the other night when I rescheduled on you and I woke up three hours after I'd said that I would be up to <laughs> chat. So I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? I'm, 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 I'm hanging in there. I'm, <laughs> I'll give you the short answer. I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there. A little less naps in my life, but uh, I, I'm, I'm fighting, the, I'm fighting the fight. I'm still, I'm still here. I can't, uh, I can't believe it myself, but, but um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. I think, I think that is it though, isn't it? Like whenever um, somebody asks me how I am, I could be like in fresh layers of hell. Mm-hmm. Like turns out though, I'm here and yeah. um, still sober, all those things going through it, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I, I do, I do hear that. And mm-hmm. it's, not to take that for granted for sure it's more of a i find that you know it's more of a, of a rhetorical question right it's like it's a given that i think maybe we all died in 2019 and went to hell that's a possibility that's a theory that mm-hmm. could happen um <clears throat> but i've i've tried to uh adapt uh just telling people instead of you know the go-to is hey how's it going how you doing i've been saying hey nice to see you and People have been receptive, so I'm, I'm sticking with that. You, and and it's not always true either. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel. I've also, I've always been very forthcoming, like when throughout, you know, 2020, 2021, and everyone be like, how are you? I'd be mm-hmm. like, every day is fresh hell, actually. Because, you know, we've gone through so much, like not only like pandemic stuff, but like racial justice stuff and yeah. you know a lot of gender-based violence stuff that I'm entrenched in and now we've got what's going on 
um, not what now is going on, but what has been going on and, and its emergence in the main main focus in Palestine. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are hurting and a lot of things are bad, but, uh, yeah. but, and we're going to have a conversation about some other shit. So yeah. Some of the good stuff, some of the, some of the, yeah, the world is on fire. I mean, and, but, uh, we're not, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to look at more of, uh, more of the things we can do to, uh, I don't know, help ourselves to self care, right? Like the, uh, you know, uh, the uh survival tools what i um i saw a meme the other day it was really funny i can't remember did you do 12-step recovery were you, I, you i did a long time ago yeah okay. so i also i spent time in 12-step i you know no comment about it better or, or worse or whatever but i saw a meme the other day it was like i'm out of coping skills i'm about to start believing in god it's <laughs> like that <laughs> me of me in 2014 like yeah that. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, um, I, I I tried it out when when I first went to my first rehab, but um, I soon realized that um, I wasn't powerless, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, that far out of control. I, mean, I don't, you know, like I don't think that it should be reserved for people who believe in god or a higher power there's other people who have you know different i don't know i i had a lot of issues with it sure. cough you know shitty coffee and sad stories it, it gets it, it was it was a lot i don't know they kind of made me do it i went to the cheapest rehab i went to the salvation army rehab and it was like a scottish guy yelling at you you're gonna fucking die have you ever been down the alley with a rusty nail stabbing it through a lysol can so it didn't spark and blow your face off so you could drink it you're gonna die. And I was like, holy, this, this is fucked. You know, <laughs> this is fucked. I mean, you know what? I actually, I have a lot of uh, love and respect and regard for twelve step, and it, it definitely, you know, for all of the the issues with it, you know, um, it did help me build a community of people who are still in my life today, who are mm-hmm. still who I call when you know, shit is really uh, rocky or I just need to be reminded that like there is a life in recovery. And so, you know, I, um, I've always been like quite existential. And so it was challenging for me to like, you know, take that, that leap to believe that everything happens for a reason or like any of that shit. And actually, you know, speaking of like things being horrible, it reminds me of this. Um, there's this like Chinese parable, or I shouldn't say Chinese, I should say it's an Eastern fable or parable um that was communicated uh in writing by leo tolstoy which is where i came across it which i don't know saw me if you've heard it but it, it talks about you know there's a man and he's running on land and behind him he's being chased by a a monster of some kind so there's a monster chasing him he sees this like well or ditch or whatever and he jumps in it and it turns out there's a dragon at the bottom of the ditch and so he grabs onto a branch because you've got this like monster on land, this dragon underneath him, and he's holding onto this branch for dear life. And he notices that there's a, two mice chewing away at the branch, right? A, a black and white mouse sig- signal signifies, symbolizes night and day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he looks at the branch and the branch has a leaf and on the leaf is there's honey. And so he licks the honey. And I think that, you know, it's something I came across in, I guess, like 2009, my brother had just passed away. And I was like, very much like, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm like a baby. I was like 21 or something like that. And, and I just kind of 
committed to like licking the honey. I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to fucking lick the honey and the honey changes all the time. Um, Tolstoy actually talked about this because he was saying that the honey was insufficient. He's like the love of my family, my passion for work is pointless. Like, cause he's existential, but you know, I kind of stop at the parable and I'm like, you know what, let me lick this honey. And so I yeah. think that it's kind of, uh, that's why I do the work I do. It's why I stay sober. You know, the honey is no longer drugs and alcohol or any of the mm-hmm. other things that, uh, use in a way that's not sustainable, but um, yeah. So when someone asks you how you're doing, you just be like, eh, I'm licking the honey. Licking the honey, baby. And they'd be like, what? And be like, the mice aren't going to stop chewing, so I'm not going to stop licking. <laughs> they'd be like, what? And you'd just be like, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> they'd, be like, they'd be like, you know, they want to see you in HR. <clears throat> I think it's more charming coming from me. Like, I think yeah. I can carry it. <laughs> I'm sure most things are. I'm sure most things are. I do have a way. I do have a way about me that is, uh, yeah. Um, I I'd rather hear, um, yeah, y- you saying anything than even, uh, you know, uh, myself. But um, so we jump into your background now. Anyone from from you have an awesome website. I'm gonna start telling people what you do and get into this. And like we, we you know, from your bio, we can we can glean that you've had a long, diverse, and unconventional education and career path. And you talk about the many titles you've held from customer service agent in in a sex shop to a catering chef, to abortion counselor, to dive bartender, to a nationally recognized relationship expert. So just take us for a little walk, you know, down the path that led you here. Oh my gosh, we don't have enough time. Oh, just a little one, you know? Okay. I think that the, the, the highlights are that um, I'm a survivor of, uh, sexual abuse. And I also received very poor sex education and, um, you know, any other number of factors contributed to me making a choice when I was like 16 years old, I was like, you know what, I want to be the person who's on the other side of, of, of these things. Cause you know, I would try to access healthcare. I would try to access support people to believe me or to support me. And it really wasn't there. And not only wasn't there, was it not there? Um, it didn't come in the form of like someone who looked like me had my lived experience. And I love the way that that's changed. I love the way that like lived experience is being seen as like a valid, um, what do you call it? Like skill set mm-hmm. to to do certain types of work and to provide certain types of supports. And so, yeah, from a teenager, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the person on the other side of this for all the baby me's. And so, I've kind of committed the last 20 years to to doing that and being that. And it's taken me all over the world. It's taken me to all sorts of different types of jobs. Like for a long time, I made money doing, you know, hospitality work, sex work to fund the, the like the volunteer work that I was doing gaining the skills to be a sex educator to be someone who taught gender-based violence prevention and you know to like be on the not on the other side but hopefully maybe somewhere in the middle and like coming into my own as like a sex ed drag queen like the only you know sex and consent ed drag queen in in Canada um yeah it's cool Amazing. It's kind of like a, a parable to my, to my own story. Cause, but on the social work side, like I, I had the same feeling like of, 
anybody I met was just, you know, just mean, or you go to, you go to welfare and it's the crabby old welfare worker, like who thinks it's their own money. They're giving you out of their mothball purse. And, you know, like uh, just to the, you know, so everywhere I went was just garbage. So when, when, you know, when I got sober, uh, it was my natural progression to like, I just went in there and started, you know, from from the bottom and i was the doorman they'd hired me for the doorman and work my way up right and i was just happy every job i got to quit and job up you know level up i was just like yes a lot of happy resignations on the trip you know (laughs) and more to come (laughs) no i i really hear that and i think like it's unfortunate in a lot of ways because i often not often i used to wonder a lot where i would be what my life would be like had certain things not happened when they did or how they did. And I think too, like getting sober, cause I got sober just under nine years ago. Um, you know, obviously my availability for the work I do changed completely, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, like I can have a thing and know that I'll show up. <laughs> yeah. I can, you know, I can, I can be afraid and know that I can show up. Like there's all those different pieces that come with like recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is such a, it is such a valuable uh, thing to bring to other people who are, you know, kind of trudging it. And I, the thing that I really, you know, cause you came onto my radar because you were doing the telethon, the grassroots, like such yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Such a bananas concept. Yeah, it was. It was I, I can't even fathom how oh. you how you did it. Um, but I was so stoked, and I have so much respect for those types of disruptive interventions. Yeah. It's um, that Gonzo, uh, you know, journalism, right? We're we're like be the agent provocateurs. Like, if, if all I know is uh, I've been a troublemaker. Like, I, I'm that kid. So it's like that. You can put me in a suit. I don't care what building you put me in. I'm gonna if there's some trouble in here, I'm gonna sniff it out and you know shake it up, right? Yeah. I am devoted to horny mischief and I feel like, you know, when I got, when I got, um, when I became represented by the national speakers bureau who have, you know, people like David Suzuki, the first fucking astronaut is on there. Like people like very respectable. And then they've got me this like tattooed, uh, you know, a little bit, hood rat like gorgeous brilliant however you know very disruptive and my agent used to always say it's like you're the bad baby like you're the bad baby on the roster and i'm you know i'm i can't help myself yeah nor nor should you and you must have met so many um baby samantha's now in your travels that you have been able to help you must have it must have like the the rewards i imagine have been have been amazing because you you're still at it you're still going so it's you you must have had some some of those moments like over and over again by this point all the time mm-hmm. all the time and i think it is really affirming um because whoever i'm working with in whatever context um there is always a moment where i'm approached by you know one or many to be like you know thank goodness you you do this like yeah. you do this like no one else does this and i feel seen in a way that i've never felt and i'm like that's that's the point that's the honey you know like yeah very um it's very fulfilling uh and it's heartbreaking and it's hard you know you do social work it's like you you're a witness to all the things that you wish never happened to you you know Mm -hmm. um and so you feel it and you experience it and also it's like so important to put those moments 
on those pedestals, like in your heart, because it's like, oh yeah, that this is what makes my life have meaning. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to um, like exemplify the, the, the empowerment of the, of the situation and push that forward. So you want to just, uh, I, well, I want to just um, grab these, these kids and slap the shit out of them and save them 10 years of, you know, suffering, but it's like the objectivity has to be there is this isn't my path, but, but I can be that seed, right? I can, I can get in their ear and be like, you know, I can, I can listen first and then, and then give, I can give some good advice that I wish I had heard, you know, and just try to, and not tell them, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, but it can be rewarding when it works and, but devastating at the same time, you know, it's, it's wild. You've, you've seen it all, you know, we've, we've, uh, human services right we're working with people like this isn't you know these aren't numbers this isn't you know um a product so it's like so contextual and nuanced each case and it you know it goes uh it goes where it will but just to um just to empower people i i like the re- the reward even though you see so much devastation the reward is so filled with that light you know that it, that it it's still worth it i mean until i, I think there might be a, a breaking point on my side of stuff because i don't know I, I need to get into um your thing maybe with you know more clothes you know for me but like you know in the consultation kind of aspect of things okay. not like i'm not trying to do like a sexy one but although you know you, you never know who i i could I you know it. I don't Why know. I, who knows? I, I did a, I did a, when I was doing the telethon, I did a tastefully nude uh, photo shoot for uh, hotties of harm reduction and, and it made it into their calendar. But before that was announced, I had like pictures, all these naked pictures, tastefully nude photos in my phone and just knowing I had them in my pocket, you know, it was, it, it, I felt, I felt sexy. I had a sexy secret, you know? You know, I I always tell people, like, whenever people ask me about nudes, sending nudes, taking nudes or whatever, my whole thing, because people have a lot of fear around it, right? Justifiably so. We have a very misogynistic, sex-shamey culture. I'm always like, only take and send things for you. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, there's someone on the other side of it. Of course, we see those people as whole, but never take a photo or send a photo that isn't, like, doesn't give you the thing. Because... No matter what happens, as long as it gave you the thing, you're like, well, at least I got the thing. No matter how, whatever happens on the other side of it, it's like, I got the thing. I loved that it was in a calendar. I was going to say, you have, you have the voice for, for sexy, any, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs> maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have to, we'll have to talk about it and see if you give me some, we'll see if we head down that way. That would be funny. Uh, it would be surreal. I don't know. I want, I'd rather be more like uh um, I like to do some kind of shit where I come back and, and, and teach like, uh, businesses and the bosses, like about the sustainability of the frontline worker and how to avoid burnout and kind of just audit their place and then come back and give them shit. You know, all the bosses, like you're a fucking monster. This is your fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe that guy would advocate. I do love consulting work for that reason. In the sense of like, it is, you know, the ways that especially frontline services, whether that's hospitality or that's, you know, care work, how, how it's structured does need to be bottom up. 
right? And they yeah. do need strength-based approaches. And it's like, you know, what's the what's the stats in your field around burnout? You know, oh. it's like same thing for me. So it's like a lot of my peers, a lot of my closest people in life, they work within institutions. So they are the the gender-based and sexual violence prevention, you know, counselors, officers, managers, all those things. And it's like, I see what they go through. And I'm like, by no means, I'm going to do my little dry queen shit. I'm going to pop in. I'm going to do my little dance. I'm going to teach my little education. I'm going to plant those little seeds. Like you said, I'm going to invite the conversation and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to have my naps and I'm going to roll around. And I just, I'm not built for it. You know, like I've tried it. I've been in it and I'm like, no, I'm too soft. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, working for someone else, like trying to do like I'm, I'm like the harm reductionist, right? So I'll be doing like I did like uh, safe injection sites, and now I'm in like safer supply. But mm-hmm. like trying to do these things in like a municipal level of government or or like a health center in 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 an institution like that, where it, it's like trying, it's like trying to do an anarchist action, basically. You know, it's in bureaucracy. Yeah. And- and that's the piece I think that people don't understand. Like, if you're not in the in frontline work, there is this misunderstanding that it's the casework that burns you out, or it's the disclosures no. that burn you out. It's like, no, 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 that that gives my life meaning. Mm-hmm. It's navigating the bureaucracy. Yeah. For me, even as someone who is disruptive, who comes into spaces, I've had to work really fucking hard to be taken seriously and to like earn a living doing that. Um, yeah it's still, I'm still navigating misogyny. I'm still navigating anti-black racism. Mm -hmm. I'm still navigating all those pieces. And so it's like, it's inescapable, um, in a lot of ways. And, and that's why, you know, I think it's, it excites me to like come and chat with someone like you because community, community building collectivism Mm -hmm. is all we have. Yeah. It's all we have. Yeah. The the strength of the pyramid is at the bottom, right? We turn that over. We got them. Like we, we, we network, we stick like that. It's like uh, Eris Nix from the drug use liberation front. Who's going to keep us safe. We're going to keep us safe. Right. This is us. And that's what I was just looking at was how you say you're aiming to create educational spaces that address injustices, the erasure of communities marginalized by racism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, and classism. So how are you changing the ways these communities access the arts and the education and resources? Yeah, um, I think so. My background um, in anti-oppression, anti-racism, my lived experiences of different types of marginalization, I never teach anything outside of that lens and that scope. So with sex education and consent education, um, it's always putting that kind of at the forefront of, of what I'm, whatever it is that I'm trying to communicate. And I think, you know, so I said, I'm a sex ed drag queen. I use drag. I use music. I use visual things, aspects, aesthetics as entry points, you know, to create entry points into those conversations for people who typically feel excluded. So even just me in my existence as like, um, as a black racialized woman, as a, as a queer person, as some, you know, all those things, it's like, even just me being there creates an entry point to folks who are marginalized by those different systems and and just you know the way that I talk the way that I I bring those conversations in a way that isn't just like white lady cardigan you know Mm -hmm. it's it's not sanitized and 
I find that just by being real and as a drag queen being real, I find that um, people connect with that and they identify that. And, and I, the thing about the game show, so I host this, when I go to universities and colleges, I host a, a game show called sexy sexual health trivia. And every single question in the game is intended to like invite deeper conversation that makes the, that makes things like racism, gender identity, ableism, just part of the conversation as opposed to like othered and separate, you know? And so I think that, um, I also just like, I'm a, I just be a human. I'm like, Oh, like a whole human, like let's bring my whole human self to this and invite other people to bring their whole human self to it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it, it just happens. You know, I find it really odd when people think it's this like big othered thing to talk about sex in a way that is comprehensive Mm -hmm. and, or or any, you know, or anything. And I'm like, but it just is like, what's the barrier? Yeah. But it's a good, it's a, it's amazing format. Cause you come out, like you said, like in your drag persona, all larger than life. Right. So they, everyone automatically is like, Whoa, that's so brave. And that's so big that, that just that's the icebreaker right there just the entrance you know so then they're like man if she's up there you know doing all this i can loosen up and get with the game and get with the you know the fun right it's awesome yeah people love competition as well you know i learned really early on because as i said i've been doing this work for a long time and it was always like okay who's here it's always women gays and 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 that would be it right Mm -hmm. I'm like, where are the boys? Like, where are the, where are the men? And it's often because they feel excluded from these conversations in these spaces for any number of different reasons. Society has like built uh, a structure where boys and men, namely cisgendered and straight boys and men are not, it's actually socialized out of them to build community. It's actually socialized out of them to talk openly or publicly about their feelings. It's socialized out of y'all to not know the answer mm-hmm. so when we're having these like disruptive spaces about sex about consent about gender-based violence boys don't feel like they're part of of that conversation and so you know whether I was doing it in East Africa or I was doing it here in Toronto I was like where are the fucking boys and so I started to kind of try to use as many tools as possible to invite specifically like boys and men into the conversation and that kind of grew with time as well because it's like I also want people who are you know at different places on the neurological spectrum or the Mm -hmm. neurotypicality spectrum to feel included like not included but invited and welcome to also say the wrong thing and Mm -hmm. I think that that's like the the harm reduction umbrella that I use for all of my work is one of the first things I tell people is I want you to know that this is a space for you to say the wrong thing and there's not going to be punishment. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to approach this with curiosity, Mm -hmm. you know? And I find that doing that using a game because everybody loves to compete. Everybody wants to fucking win the trivia thing. That's a good timing because people trivia blew up. So you jump, you're smart marketing in that and getting trivia because that would all the, uh, there's your cis white gendered, you know, bastards are coming out for trivia in troves, right? Everybody's, call them texting me like you only want to come to you know like seinfeld trivia or friends i'm like 
fuck no i'm not going to the doing friends trivia like <laughs> fuck off you know <laughs> Yeah, no, and and I think too, it's like it then becomes a thing of like it's not I'm going to the sex education workshop. It's I'm going to this game show, this trivia mm-hmm. game show. It's hosted by this drag queen. She's got legs and titties out. Like yeah. let's fucking go. Yeah, and you know it's like yes, there are the DMs I get after from boys who are like, come to this frat party. But there are also all the boys who message me and approach me after to say. Like, thank you so much for talking about this thing. I actually want my partner to feel comfortable. I actually want to know how I can flirt and be like a good, like a good person. Like, I just want to be a good person. How do I do that? And I'm like, I got this. Let's, let's, let's do this, you know? And you do it for, you do it for, excuse me. You do it for youth too, right? The same. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have a version of the game that I, I'll do with like youth groups. So you know, the youngest age I like to work with is like 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely worked with younger 11, 12, um, namely in like more of the like under-resourced parts of the city, like where I grew up in Scarborough or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason and I prefer to work with youth and young adults is for one, the language I use, like I'm, I have a, I have a bad mouth. Um, okay. For two, uh, you know, sometimes working with youth young people like that young is a little bit too close for me so Mm -hmm. part of being part of the drag character is that you know as I said I'm some I'm someone with lived experience of of these particular types of traumas and one of the biggest mistakes I think we could make as as harm reduction workers as frontline workers is to bring our own trauma to work with us yeah so it really does act as like my my femme armor to mm-hmm. not bring my stuff into it when I have to like adjust a space or hold a safer space. It's not, you know, baby traumatized Samantha who's being triggered by that. It's Samantha Biddy who's going to like handle the situation from mm-hmm. her like adult mind. And so, you know, it's like, there's a lot of tactics that I feel aren't as effective if I work with anyone younger than 13. Fair enough. But um a champion nonetheless like that's 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 champion by definition you're 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 a, a sexy sexual health hero that's what it is <laughs> are, are you contracted into the school board like you going oh. into no no wow. i don't do anything with school boards i so when i get hired by colleges and universities those are all like you know, public or private institutions, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm hired by different departments. Um, I don't work within any of the different school boards. Uh, it's primarily youth groups and like other grassroots um, organizations that invite me to to work with their their groups. Yeah, right. And it's still going strong. You do it regular. You have a regular venue too, like that you produce, or is it just contract? Like you you, you pop. No, like pop I go, yeah, I go on site or I do virtual. Um, when I was running my own project, which was called Inner Development Project, which I halted during the pandemic, and I haven't had the resources mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually to revisit, mm-hmm. um, I would always go on site because I felt like, you know, that was one of the ways to limit the barrier, right? It's like, I'm mobile, so I will go. And virtual is great for that, the normalization of doing things virtually. I don't love virtual. I'm grateful to it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It's tricky kinda, with dead air, right? It's more of a, you know, you don't have the audience to work off of. It's not, it's a live show. You need, you need the, you know, the give and take. 
Yeah, it can feel a bit like pouring out but not receiving anything back. Yeah. But like as I'm looking at your your background, I'm like, I'm a little like Batgirl in that way where it's like I get the little signal and I'm like, I'll be there. Yeah. Like that's that's how I work. It's how I've worked for I think like five years, five or six years now I've been independent and uh, I left clinic work around 2018, 2017, I think. So yeah, I make, I make, it's working. Like I'm making it work. I'm making do and. I love it. I'm going to come see a show as soon as I see, you know, as soon as, as soon as I can, next time I see it, I want to come see it live. I will mm. probably do something for Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, I do like to host events. So as much as I do the like stuff with colleges and universities and whatever, I do love to host events for people like our age, like where it can just be like proper ho shit where mm-hmm. I don't actually like, I don't have a, I don't have a contractual obligation to teach shit. I can just have fun with people and people will still learn. Yeah. Um, I did a baseball themed one a few months back at, um, there's this queer sports bar in my neighborhood and yeah. And it was super fun. I did like a league of their own blue Jays costume. My drag baby had her debut, like, and I had like a whole category that was just like baseball related questions that were like kind of horny. So like, um, you know, like what's DP, which is like (laughs) double play. (laughs) Um, or like which, which positions are six and nine, which Mm -hmm. is I don't know. I think it's like shortstop and right field or like, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. that. And so, yeah, I, I promise to give you a personal invitation the next oh, time. I'm happy. I'll be <laughs> there. I'll be there. I, I look forward to it. Um. So what's, the, what's the sex sessions and the 10 lessons? That's a separate thing from, from the, um from the show. That's like a, a series that you have out. Yeah. So sex sessions was a show I did with slice TV in 2021. And it was really wild because it was shot in studio during lockdown. So it was like, just you know there half the team were on zoom and I was in studio and and we shot it and basically the theme was kind of like a school theme and I I built it out so that each episode was like a different lesson um so like geography was masturbation um you know ethics was talking about consent like different things like that language was around communication um drama was about sex being of an experience not a performance like except our art was kink. So each episode was between like, I guess like five and eight minutes, probably think they all were around six, seven minutes. So it's kind of like a mini web series. It was a war. It won an award for like the best, um, the best, uh, best web show. Some Canadian, I don't know. Somebody gave me an award for it. I can't remember it now. I'm more partial to the awards. I didn't win. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it was it was great. You know, I I wrote it. I I yeah. So I scripted it. I styled it. I it was my dream to have my own show. I'd been doing self shot video work for like years, producing content. You know, quote unquote content. Um, and it yeah, looked, actually- it looked really good. I I watched the I watched the whole thing on the night shift at a homeless shelter on the smoking balcony. So it looked. You know, I'm not saying it, it looked good because I was there, but that's where it was just to, for the juxtaposition. It, it was, it looked great. The production value was good. People should check it out. And it was, it was, that's, that was right around the time, like where, like I became aware of Samantha Biddy and then with the telethon and all that stuff was at the same time, I think. Um, so what about equity consultant service industry clients? Are you doing this still on the side? That's still a gig? 
That still happens. I mean, I've worked with a lot of different uh, groups. The thing is, is that we had what I refer to as like black square 2020 2021 so everybody was like super keen to like jump on the anti-oppression train and then now that everything has like reopened and some of the like heat is off not as many folks are as willing to invest in external consulting for equity work um so I don't do it as much but I do I do still do it and um I, I still see the positive impacts of, of the work that I did in certain places. So mm-hmm. that's cool. I, I'd hang on to that one because it's going to come back once people start to get comfortable again. Like <laughs> they'll need you more than ever. Just All we need is one incident and then. <laughs> and you'll be there, put the symbol up and then you'll, there you'll be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then what, what do I, what am I reading? Project manager for public artworks. Is this where you're working with the nonprofits like Casey house and friends of Ruby and them? Well, so the reason why I have such a like art world connection is because for a long time, I was working with a lot of different artists doing their project management for public art. So uh, predominantly like interventions in public spaces and institutions, I was writing grants, I was like doing all that stuff. And um, I don't still do public art project management because we have a Ford government that doesn't invest in public art. So there aren't mm-hmm. this number of opportunities. Uh, but I am still really close with all of those artists. And and so, you know, you, you do catch me out and about at art events because I'm uh, an adorable plus one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, what about uh, sex relationship, emotional intelligence coaching? You're doing that for uh, individuals and partners? I am. I am. So that is still very active and ongoing. I have clients that I've worked with for like a few years. I have people who come for just, you know, like brief uh, supports. And it's actually the one part of my practice that I like really focused on this year. So at the top of 2023, I made the decision to move away from media-based work in the way that I was doing it. Um, I have a number of reasons for that. And I also was just kind of taking a little bit of a break from being like public and being like, you know, quote unquote public figure. And I just really wanted to rest. I was like, I have so much symptomatic trauma right now. Mm -hmm. And from, you know, in 2020 and 2021, um, I didn't stop. Like there wasn't that period of like, oh, I'm going to sit quietly and bake bread. Like a lot of people did. Like I was in and of the streets like it did not I didn't sleep I was working constantly I produced my show I did like a 10-part video series for colleges and universities I was constantly doing gigs I was constantly consulting and I was just I was run through man I was like I'm fucking tired and I just need to sleep and so I have clients on Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays um I do one to one and a half hour sessions depending on if it's a solo person or a couple And I work on everything with people from, you know, sex and relationships to grief, to non-monogamy, to uh, just emotional intelligence and relational intelligence in general. And it's, it's been like incredible work to watch people kind of like, you know, adopt some of these different ways of being and, and watching them change and watching their relationships get stronger and more sustainable and yeah I really love it it's tiring but it's it's the one piece where I'm like my calendly is open I will you know I will wake up and I will show up and I will mm-hmm. give these people what I got and yeah it's but cool. but but naps first right 
I do not schedule anything between 1 p.m. and like 5 p.m. on any given day. Like if I have an appointment that I have to do, like even when I did my show, I was like, I saw my call sheet and I'm like, where's my nap? They're like, he, I'm like, no, dead ass. Like, where is my nap? You want me to perform? Like, I'm the thing is, is I like, I basically equate it to like sundowning, like at a certain point in the day, my brain starts to get fuzzy. I start to feel tired, irritable, like sad. And I'm like, you know what? I need to go down. I need to sleep. I have my little reset. And then my evening, I'm like, okay, I'm a whole bitch again. Like, let's do this. Like, that's yeah. kind of how it sounds. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You're a boss. You're a boss. You should be making your own call sheet. You know, like this is a great suggestion. I just have a few notes, you know, send it back and now we can work. It's called negotiation. Right. <laughs> We can talk about it more after my nap. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of people have like thanked me for being so open about the fact that I prioritize my rest in that way Mm -hmm. because there was such a long time. And I think still just this like, you know, grind, like booked and busy and whatever the fuck else. And I'm like, I feel like there has been a massive shift towards everyone being like, no, actually I'm like really tired. I've like lived through like a number of catastrophic world events. Mm-hmm. I just actually really need to take care of myself so that I can take care of the people that I love and, and my community and stuff. And so, you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, I, it's a, such a privilege to rest. No, it fucking isn't. That's brainwashing. Like mm-hmm. I used to be brainwashed by capitalism that like I'm privileged to, to take care of my body. No, it's my yeah. right. <laughs> Amen. And, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to you don't want me here if I don't if I'm not rested. Like I'm not going to be doing my best work. And you're also prior, prioritizing your recovery on top of all the catastrophic catastrophic events. So there's that too and you've been doing that and you and, and um and you never lose sight of that. You 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 keep right. that always, you know? And um that is commendable and here you are um what did, did you say six years nine nine, nine. nine. Yeah. yeah 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 even better you're almost at a decade of just like you know boss it's so wild to me and and it's funny because although I have a lot of people in my life who knew me in the before times if you will mm-hmm. um, a lot of people who are in my life now have only known me in sobriety they've only known me in this you know this more present and authentic version of me and I think it can be hard for some of them to imagine the type of wrecking ball that I actually was and I'm still capable of being Mm -hmm. you know and so I find that there are a lot of people around me at any given moment who take for granted my sobriety and as long as I'm not one of them that's all that matters you know, and I'm actually, I'm going into knee surgery uh, next week. It's not too invasive, but it will be painful. I've been in a lot of pain this year, actually, with my knee. And it's been really hard not to do drugs. Like it's been, yeah. this has been the hardest, um, you know, the emotional pain. I'm like, I can cope with emotional pain. I've developed the tools and the skills to cope with emotional pain. Physical pain has been like my most challenging uh, time in my recovery. And so, you know, I actually had a really good conversation with my doctor today because pre-surgery, they send you the thing to be like, Oh, opioids or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and I've, everybody who's in my care team is aware of my history with drugs. And so I've made it clear that I will be not be taking any chemical, you know, or I shouldn't say chemical, any uh, narcotic pain management. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, it felt really empowered to tell my doctor today, like, I will not be taking narcotic pain management because I only have a history of abusing those drugs. And he asked me the question, he's like, so if you reach out to me, you know, a week into your recovery from surgery and and you say, like, look, like, this is something that I need, like, what do you want me to do? And this is why I fuck with my doctor. I really love him. He has a lot of respect for me and my ability to like advocate for myself and my recovery. And I was like, if it gets to the point where I have come to you, that means that I have gone through like so many checks and balances. And I've talked to a lot of people and I have like a plan in place for like how I'm going to do this safely. Um, but my ideal is that I don't, and it, it's, it's interesting to be confronted in, by that, you know, almost 10 years after the last time I was high. So, yeah. yeah, so strong. That's, you're amazing. You're amazing. Um, that's, that's why I wanted to have you on here just to tell our story all those baby Samantha's all out there, you know, can you <laughs> hear that? And I remember I had, I had hit 10 years um rape uh at the time when my brother passed away and then and then it was like no you know we had a little we went off the rails a little bit you know and it got wild but um i uh yeah i i i, I can i can uh relate to to that a lot because i won't i won't do it either i don't even like to take a tylenol you know exactly. what i mean i don't i you know i don't know it's um and people don't um yeah like like i was really resonating with what you were saying about like you you would not want like imagine them all the you always ask me where do i get the energy where do i get the energy imagine if i was all this motivation on 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 speed balls you know what i mean drinking drinking schlitz you would be you would be i'd be like godzilla you would be japan it'd be over you know just like it was before until i crashed and burned and died but it would you know it would be a big uh you know like godzilla going into the ocean it's a big no it's going to be a noise i could i can relate to that so so much and it's so um you it is you that has to that has to prioritize your recovery and and keep that keep your 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 um your goals in sight because no nobody cares you drop dead at your desk they're gonna you know your your job is posted before your body is cold and they'll wheel you out only so they could drop you off the office chair and keep that you know what i mean like they wouldn't even they don't care you know you have to care about you know it's like again we go back to who you know who keeps us safe we keep us safe in um in abstinence, in sobriety, in drugs, in sex, in everything, we have to look out for ourselves because they don't care, you know? Yeah. And I think that the same thing is true. I was just going to say the same thing is true in relationships. Like there's plenty of things that feel good that are unsafe for me at different times. And, you know, sometimes I get shown that in ways that I don't want to be shown, but, you know, I've had to leave many situations or, or say no to many things I want to do because of you know the nature of the way that my mind and body works you know and and I think that the the biggest piece of advice that I was ever given was that boundaries is about saying no to myself mm -hmm. you know and and that is is not as fun as being 
destructive and chaotic and all those other pieces. But I do fortunately still have a very visceral memory of what it felt like when I was drinking and using drugs and um, just how alienated I was from myself and everyone else. And so at least I have the luxury of being present to the hell that I'm in, as opposed to, you know, just experiencing it in little flashbacks. And I think like, even, even the thing you were saying about like, I don't even like to take a Tylenol. It's like, I don't like the ritual of something feeling away and me taking something to change how it feels. Like I don't <laughs> even, however, like unexhilarating <laughs> a Tylenol mm-hmm. is. I think we just kind of know ourselves in, and it's different for different people, like how that, how that shakes out. But yeah, I think that like relationships and sex are one of the areas of my life where I still have to practice a lot of harm reduction and I still have to practice a lot of of honesty with mm-hmm. myself about its impact on, you know, my well-being. And, you know, I try to, again, like try to teach other people how to do that as well. You don't have to be an addict in recovery for a relationship to fucking take you out. No, <laughs> but you do have to focus on the sustainability of, of healthy relationships or you're a monster going around hurting people and yourself right and Mm -hmm. a lot of people in recovery all they have left is uh spicy food and sex and red bull we have red bull (laughs) Bull? okay yeah yeah and red bull there is my heart reduction i actually because it's it's a bit late and i know i don't want to be up all night i made a drink that was like half red bull half soda (laughs) Oh, you're cutting the Red Bull. I will, forever, I will forever be a fucking drug addict. <laughs> just half, just a single, a single Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So, Samantha Biddy, give us some tips and tools of respect and consent to help us live our best laid lives. We've had our Red Bull. We've had our spicy food. We're still hungry for something. How are we going to do that properly? You know? And are you talking about the, you know, the, the recovering alcoholic addict or just anyone in general? I think just that for everyone, like, I mean, it's, it's all the same. If, if, if we're just getting down to sex, I mean, uh, well, I guess it would be different, right? If you're talking about using drugs and alcohol with sex, I'd, um, or just using sex as a substance, right? Cause I think that that is, is one of those things. I think my number one piece of advice always for any person about relationships is to, you know, pay attention. Like, it's like, you know what you want, right? Or you think you know what you want, whether that's a person, a type of activity, whatever it is. I encourage people to pay attention to the pathway that their mind takes to get there, right? And it's like, is the pathway my mind taking to get there about, curiosity and experience and um you know am I seeing this other person or this activity as like whole or is it I want to feel different I want to feel better this is about me right because I think the thing that people struggle with the most in relationships is having a sustainable understanding of your needs and someone else's needs and and finding the middle and so I think there's a lot of rhetoric often about like Oh, we have to meet people where they're at. We have to meet people where, where, where they're at. No, we fucking don't. Like that can be really coded. You can fall into a lot of codependency that way because where someone's at might be all the way the fuck over there and you're overextending yourself to meet them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think my other piece of advice is be aware of where the middle is 
like the middle is the place where your needs and someone else's needs kind of converge and that relationships are meant to be co-created right and you know it seems really esoteric maybe but when you actually like sit with it and think about it it's like relationships are all good until they aren't right it's like sex is all good until it isn't and I think that the more we know ourselves and we're open to knowing someone else no matter how casual or serious a relationship is if you take a posture of curiosity you're more likely to have wanted experiences does that make sense yeah 100 percent um yeah so what about um like I know there's you must have like there's tons of advice for people who are you know you you must be warning people about intoxication with sex this is dangerous right but what we know that and, and not to say there's not a ton of stuff to to unpack about that but I'm more I'm more curious in this moment about like wh- when do we know that sex itself has become the substance that you are abusing like how do you know like what's that you know like what's the how much is too much <laughs> you know I think it's always funny because I ask this I always I I pose this question to young people all the time about like how do like is there such a thing as too much masturbation right and then we is thought all the, like, uh yes and no right it's like there's the the too much is going to be nuanced it's going to be individual it's like if you're missing appointments, if your body is sore, if you're like not thinking about anything else, like if it's impacting your ability to maintain the rest of your life, then that might be too much for you. But that's not like the be all end all of the conversation. It's like, and what what purpose is it serving? Right? What am I trying to what am I trying to experience or fulfill or address by, by doing this behavior? Mm-hmm. And that's true of drugs, alcohol, food, money anything right it's okay my my participation in this is impacting the rest of my life in a way that's not what I I want um what is it trying to show me what am I what am I trying to put between me and me you know yeah what are you trying to prove like just or or whatever right and so um I think that then that conversation changes when it comes to partnered sex because if you're like, oh, I missed, I didn't hang out with my friends because I was jerking off is a different conversation than I didn't hang out with my friends because I was having sex with a person. Yeah, And I, I think that that's really interesting. And I, mm-hmm. and I don't, I mean, I, this is like kettle, kettle teapot where friends of mine and I have like a clear carte blanche of like, if I'm getting, if I'm getting fucked, I'm missing our plans. Like, I'm sorry. I have to prioritize. I'm, I'm solo. I am single. Like if I'm having sex, I'm not coming to dinner. Like that's my priority. I'm not so, coming to trivia. I'm not coming to trivia. <laughs> like, if I'm missing work, cause I'm getting, if I'm late for work, cause I was get cause I was having sex. I can at least say that I can be like, sorry, I was late. I was having sex. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the kind of, that's the little niche that I've built out for myself. But yeah, I mean, how do we know? I think we know when it's all consuming right? When we're not maintaining our other relationships, whether that's our relationship with ourselves or our friends or our, our work or our hobbies, our interests, like sustainability. Like this is the reason why I try to move away from language, like healthy or unhealthy mm-hmm. because health is moralistic, right? And it's subjective and it's of the day, but sustainable is, is different. We can all kind of grasp what sustainable looks like to each and every one of us. Right. Whereas yeah. healthy 
looks different for different people. For some people, being celibate is their healthiest choice. For some people, having sex all the time is their healthiest choice. I often talk about how kink and certain types of sex are a are a tool for me in processing trauma and processing um, different aspects of my addiction and recovery and all those things when done with intention and boundaries and all those things, right? For another person, it might be totally like quote unquote unhealthy and unsustainable. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that we really just need to pay attention to, to ourselves and constantly be asking ourselves like, am I being empathetic, right? Yeah, it's easy to like make someone else a villain in your story when you're not getting what you want. Um, that kind of that kind of segues into like the consent thing, like where it's it's never implied, you know, like even in a monogamous relationship, you know, like it's there always needs to be consent, right? So that that there's your checks and balances, like if you're you're checking in and and um making sure like even just what you said off the top about like what do, what do I want what do I want this what am I looking for is this just for me is this just self gratification you know what I mean you're not even considering um you know, the other person's pleasure in in the in the role in the in the act then you're probably not even thinking about consent it's just like you know I don't know it's, it's the pleasure piece, the pleasure piece is really interesting because for some people, and I've had this experience personally, and I hear about it often, it's like, it's not that it's like pleasuring another person becomes about the person doing the pleasuring. So even then, there is an element of like, self fulfillment. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think anytime we're having sex, when the other person is a prop in a story that we're creating, um, that they are not like fully and intentionally part of, right? Unless they're like, yes, I want to be your fuck doll. Then, then that, that to me is, there is an element of non-consent. I also think ghosting is non-consent. I think ghosting is part of rape culture. Um, That's that's a good take on it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's not a popular opinion uh, per se, but I also have very, you know, to me, how we relate to each other like consent isn't just about yes and no the most important aspects of consent for me are the is all of the surrounding context like in my yes or in my no are the conditions neutral right have have we have we co-created the conditions for an authentic answer mm-hmm. and the co-creating of those conditions happens in little ways every single day through every different interaction. And even if it's like an anonymous hookup one night stand, like, are we creating the conditions for consent? And one of the ways we can do that is by planning for the aftercare, right? Planning for the, I'm never going to see you again. How do you feel about that? you know, like being willing to have those conversations. And one of the things I always talk about with sex and harm reduction, especially when people are using drugs and alcohol is that no matter what happens following up, like following up with someone after you've had a date with them, after you've sexted with them, after you've had sex, like, how did you feel about that? I had a nice time with you. Even if you have no intention of ever speaking to the person again, yeah, those are the ways that we can kind of create that beginning, middle and end to an exchange with somebody where it's like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sad that something's over, 
but I don't feel fucking disgusting about it. Yeah, we tie up the loose ends. And if we want to untie it later at another time, that's there too. But you you, you keep it tidy. That's that's respect for even yourself. Like you said, that's, yeah. See, you're so insightful. People struggle with mutual respect. People struggle with self-respect. Yeah, I you know? and fair. Like we live in hell. We're, we're socialized this way. Yeah. I have a lot of I think about it this way I have there's three different kinds of empathy right there's cognitive empathy where it's like I understand there's like emotional empathy where it's like I feel that like I can I can relate to that in like a somatic way right Mm -hmm. and then there's passionate empathy where we're willing to take action and I think that for a lot of folks who are you know people who struggle with self-centeredness or selfishness or individualism or are just fucking dumb I have cognitive empathy because I'm like, you're a product of your environment. Nobody is just solely just a piece of shit. Like a lot of things came together to create the conditions for that. So I, I can understand that. Yeah. Do I feel it? No, because I'm not a dud. And am I willing to like extend myself to like, to make, make things right or make it better? Not necessarily, you know, mm-hmm. unless I'm being paid, in which case that's different. Right. But it is very much um, like a drug sex that is where all the same rules kind of apply it and it is so much uh more satisfying to do it the right way like to with all these with all your consent with your aftercare with it's going to feel better and be better all around for all involved than if you just you know just went at it and whatever like you said reckless and and then let the pieces fall where they may then just more of a mess there's more 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 of a more of a danger of uh you know, uh, nah, you know, a disaster of, um, you know, negative repercussions, the same as drugs, right? Like doing it, doing it clean, doing it safe. If you're going to do this, it's, you know, it really is the same thing. And you get high off of it, just like drugs, and you can get addicted to it, just like drugs. I think, again, it's like about creating the conditions, right? It's like, I am going to do the best I can to create the conditions for wanted experiences. So whether that's sex or it's drugs, or it's the way that I build a sandwich so that every single bite has like peak fucking flavor. Like that's that these are all choices that we can make to just have a nicer time. And that's again, why I come back to that point about um, healthy or unhealthy. A lot of people look at drug use, substance use as being unhealthy. I know for me, that starting using drugs and alcohol at age 12 is why I'm alive now. Yeah. I mean, like drugs and alcohol kept me alive when there weren't any other tools to help me cope with what was happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when those tools became harmful to me in a way and harmful to others in a way that was not, you know, transforming me anymore, it wasn't helping me those tools stop working. It's like, okay, I've had to develop new tools. And I, and again, I I feel the same way about sex. Like sex is so powerful and it can be so transformative and it can also be so destructive. And it, it becomes a situation where there's like literally shrapnel, yeah. you know, like I have shrapnel in parts of my body from relationships that I've had that didn't end properly. Mm-hmm. Right. Or cared for properly. And, you know, my, I have roles in that too. It's not like I've just been like walking through life as an angel, never hurting anybody. Like I'm imperfect, Mm -hmm. right? Like I made mistakes as a sex and relationship educator. I've breached consent, you know? And so I think we're all, every one of us susceptible to these, these choices that don't see others as whole, that, that do, you know, cause more harm than good. 
but I also see the like work of the extra work of communication, that extra work of being authentic, um, worthwhile. Still worthwhile. That's what's going to ensure that every bite of your sandwich is delicious. Like you said, right? <laughs> that's it. That's that those little attention to details, all that stuff. That's yeah. That's making it nice. Yeah. yeah. We try, we try. And, and I think that ultimately, you know, as you know, I'm just coming off of a, I got just broke, got broken up with yesterday. Um, I'm non-monogamous though. So I get broken up with all the time. Um, and it was a, it was a gross breakup. It was, it was for a gross reason in a gross way. And that, that really hurt, you know? And so I'm, I'm working through how that feels. And also, you know, there's the part of me that wants to like hold this person hostage with my emotions about it because I see them as being really responsible. But at the same time, like everything else we're talking about, it's like we can create the conditions for accountability. We can't hold anybody accountable. Right. So, you know, you yeah. working in the injection site, it's like you're creating the conditions for accountability. You can't, if you can't force anybody to be accountable. Right. So like, Ooh, I just thought of my other piece of advice with cool. sex and relationships. That's Go for very, it. Very is understanding the difference between standards and expectations and conditions and transactions. So it's important that we always maintain our standards, but expectations are when we start to lose sight of another person being whole, right? I think that expectations can like evolve over time as like a relationship evolves, but like knowing what your standards are for how you want to be treated as well as how you want to treat others is like, you know, no matter what happens in your relationships at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I maintained my standards and that's like important. Um, and then I've been thinking a lot lately about conditional and transactional where like a lot of people are like, I want unconditional love. That's fucking not right. Like that's not like unconditional love. Like what you have for your daughter, that's unconditional love. That is the only parent to child is the only unconditional love that should exist. It doesn't even go both ways. It's not even parent to child to parent. It's no, hell no. Right? Yeah. Every other one of our relationships needs to have conditions, but that's not the same thing as being transactional. So it's like, I'm going to treat other people within my principles and my values, no matter what, right? Yeah. I'm not going to like withhold my love or care or respect right? Because like, I need to be in my lane of things, but there are conditions for having access to me. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's kind of the difference. So those are the relationship pieces that are like a little bit deeper that I'm working through right now where I'm like, Hmm, I have to be a, like, you know, a quote unquote good person. Mm -hmm. Like I have to know what my principles and my values are no matter what, as much as like in a breakup where someone's being a piece of shit to me, I want to below the belt and be like, well, Dick wasn't that good anyway. Like, you know, I wanted, I want to be that person. Like the feral part of me does. But I'm like, you know what? Let me move with kindness here and just keep it pushing. So yeah. I love it. That's uh yeah, so much uh emotional intelligence. Very mature, it's sexually mature. You're 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 uh yeah, you're right on. You're right on it. I love it. Um, what what's next for you? What what's you, you got some you gonna give us the inside scoop on uh anything uh coming out i mean not that you don't have enough going on as it is this is a ton of stuff but 
What am I doing? So uh, usually my work can be quite seasonal. This is kind of a quiet period now after like the orientation season of schools. Um, things will be back up and, and moving in January. You know, I've really been sitting again for this entire year. I thought I was going to have all this like creative output. And like, I was like, what's my next thing? Like, what do I want to do? I am working on building a new type of, uh, not workshop, but like kind of thing. it's like a consent cabaret. So I've been like working with music quite a bit to like, I think about how music is one of the like purest ways for me to feel feelings through feelings. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, I don't know if it's going to be like a stage perform. I don't know what it is yet. Do you sing? I do not sing. Um, I dance when my knee isn't fucked up. So mm. I have my knee surgery, recover from that. Um, no, like a like a proper drag queen, I lip sync. Um, mm. I'm not I gonna I don't plan to like write or produce music, but I want to kind of build something that uses music as a means of of conveying different emotions and teaching and stuff like that. And otherwise it's just my regular stuff, you know, chatting with people like you going to mm -hmm. be on, you know, a uh, couple other casts. Uh, I don't know. I was on a panel last week. My show is still online. Like I love it. I'm going to put all the links in, in, in the show notes and, and uh, right on the, on the video and we're everywhere with, with in all the socials and all, all, all the stuff, but I could totally see a one person show, you know, you coming out even if you it was like existing songs and, and they were worked into it and you and you lip sync them th and through your like just your story of your what we just talked about you know like that's a you know that's a show for sure you you've got a you probably got 10 of them in you you know it's just I, I, it's just about the I don't know like you I'm not the kind of person and this is part of the reason why I can't have a job like a nine to five kind of job is because I can't force it I can never like be like, okay, today I'm sitting down and I'm going to write this essay and I'm going to write this essay book. Like I've been wanting to write a book for like five years and I'm like, no, like, I just don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. So there is that baby part of me that's still just kind of like, you know what the biggest thing on my radar is right now is securing a sublet in Florida so that I can go to spring major league baseball spring training in february march next year that is like oh. my number one priority yeah you'll manifest that you'll be down there i'm trying so hard i really want to get run through by like a minor league team okay i'm sure <laughs> you know i'm sure that's a feasible goal you know and i was thinking while you were talking too yeah maybe i should have wrote a book 10 times over now too and and maybe i'm just too damn sexy for this nine to five job myself <laughs> oh write a book Mm. I think we could co-write a book. I think we could uh, yeah. write a bunch of really funny skits. Like in my mind doing like, cause you're of the generation of like phone sex operators. Like yeah. remember the commercials late at night that were like, yeah. Oh, One, nine, seven, six. Yeah. Hot puss. Call now. Not hot you know? Do you like hot, hot puss? Call me. We'll talk about it. This is one of the cringiest words to me. So a game, so like a fun game I like to play at like parties with people is like, okay, so what are your like horny words that like if someone says it, it's like pussy's dry, like can't, like whatever. And it's so funny what people find to be like a People or, hate like, moist. They don't want to hear moist. I've never had an issue with moist. Am I going to be like, oh, my moist pussy? No, but like, I don't, it's not going to like turn me off. But like, I think there's a lot of really fun words where people are like, 
oh my gosh, by no means. And the other ones where they're just like, yeah, like that's my preference. So puss would be like, if someone referred to my junk as puss, I'd be like, get out of yeah, my please. Yeah. yeah. Like by like, bleh. yeah. But pussy's it's, uh, not. Different strokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'll just say Samantha Biddy, I love you more and more. The more I learn about you, you're fantastic. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and and talking with me. And please do me a favor and and never waver on your devotion to horny mischief. <laughs> <laughs> it is 30 some odd years going strong. So I have no intention of slowing down. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for everything you do and for having me. And, and please invite me back anytime. Season My- two my absolute pleasure i i love i love everything you do like i said i don't i don't i'm not just saying that i i think you're fantastic i'm looking to wait for my uh invite to the february um sexy sexual health education trivia and uh, i'll see you there yeah sounds good thank you i don't know what's more sexy her voluptuous mind or her bodacious wisdom oh my what a treat Pay attention to the pathway your mind takes to get to what you want. Is it about curiosity and experience? Are you seeing the other person as whole? Or is it selfishly all about you and how you want to feel? It takes two or more to tango. So make 100% certain all involved are considered with sustainable understanding of everyone's needs. I don't think that's too much to ask. Understanding the difference between standards and expectations and conditions and transactions. Know and maintain your standards. Don't lose sight of other people being whole. Love and sex is conditional. Treat other people within your principles and values. And fuck safe. All the time. It's all there is left. Besides spicy food. And Red Bull. And free Palestine. Obviously. See you next time. On Spinning Yarns. Spinning Yarns is brought to you by High Five Umbilical Productions, where 100% DIY with zero tolerance for intolerance. Spinning Yarns is recorded on stolen land in front of a live studio audience. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Gmail, and Linktree at Yarn Spinning. Please like, follow, and share to show your support. We're building this together. Spinning Yarns is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you kids go for podcasts these days. Check out our Patreon if you'd like to help out the show, and you can always find us on the web at our landing site, joeamero.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out. Let's shoot the shit. We're just spinning yarns. Connecting with respect and respecting the connections. Peace be with you, and let the